0: My money. Money. I get money from you. Money in the bank. Uh, Young money. Money, 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 money! It's the rich man's blood. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! World-renowned financial advisor and best-selling author Barry James Dyke will arm you with the truth. This is The Economic Warrior. Please note, the opinions expressed on this show are of the individuals who speak them, and not necessarily of Portsmouth Community Radio, its members, or Board of Trustees. Amen, and uh, it's a beautiful day here in New England, and we have a very special guest uh, today. Uh, we're going to have Robert Castellone on from the island of Kauai, Hawaii. Uh, Bob is uh, I've known Bob for quite some time, and he's going to be our guest today. He's gonna we're going to talk about the state of financial planning in America and what's wrong with it and what we can do about it and so forth. Well, well, thank you so much, for uh, uh, in, and I hope you enjoy your 50th wedding anniversary, Bob, and enjoy it. I'd, uh,
1: yes, well, thank you very much. Very right. kind of
0: you. Good. Uh, so, so, Bob, in anyway, so I, I've sent out uh, – by the way, I've had uh, listeners, I uh, uh, kind of announced this uh, – uh, last night and a lot of people said said to say hello and so forth and then a lot of people uh, you know were, it's you're a controversial guy but uh, uh, please tell us about your background you know uh, you know you know where you grew up where you went to school your professional uh, baseball career and that type of thing I just because I want to give people the credibility which you deserve
1: <laughs> well uh, that's a long time ago Barry but uh, I don't mind uh, speaking about it um, I Was uh, graduated from New York University School of Business and Finance back in 1966. Many of your listeners weren't even born yet. (laughs) Uh, I was drafted by the uh, Minnesota Twins baseball team. Uh, Professionally, it was my dream to be a baseball player. And I got drafted in the college draft back in 1966. So I played about five years, uh, big league contract for one year. And uh, I wish the money was then like it is today, but it wasn't. We were under the old uh, Reserve Clause uh, contracts. Uh, matter of fact, my big league salary in 1968 was $13,500. <laughs> so that'll give your audience a little understanding of how inflation has changed quite a bit over the years.
0: Yeah. What is so, he- uh, Go ahead.
1: Uh, since that time, I... Uh, Got into after my baseball career, I got into uh, the financial world. I wanted to be an economist on Wall Street. Uh, instead, I moved uh, into personal finance, and I found uh, my home there. Uh, and I've been there uh, ever since about 1970. So it's been quite a quite of a stretch, about 47 years, and uh, certainly uh, I'm retired now and have. Everything to thank for the industry, and uh, my dad told me I was going to make the Hall of Fame. I thought it was baseball, but <laughs> uh, it turned out to be the uh, financial world.
0: You know, Bob, you're one of the most boldest guys I know in the business, and uh, you know, I, 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 that's, I like that about you. What made you so bold?
1: Well, being uh, <laughs> being a pitcher. Uh, in professional baseball, I think, made me so bold that when, when you have to walk out on the mound in front of 20,000 people, 30,000 people, and they hand you the ball, <laughs> uh, there's, no, there's nothing you can do. You've got to perform. And uh, when, you, when you look at that batter, he's trying to beat your brains in. So uh, you've got to perform. And you, 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 if the team loses, you take the L. Uh, and uh, obviously, if you win, you, you've got a nice W behind your, your name. So I think sports has given me uh, the kind of uh, tenacity that I needed uh, in the financial industry, which is, as you know, quite a uh, area of constant change, bias, opinionation, uh, even fa- uh, failure in many, many, in many regards uh, as to how people are living today. Uh, they're just uh, not achieving success, and uh, we're all about helping them.
0: Yeah. Now, Bob, I have a question. There's a lot of problems. But what do you see some of the major problems in financial planning today? Because uh, there's a whole bunch of them, but uh, what do you see as the, as the key ones?
1: Well, that's uh, we don't have enough time to really go through all that. <laughs> but in a nutshell, I could give you what I believe to be the answer, is that uh, people think that mathematics uh, is how money works. But money is not math. It doesn't work like that. Money is a commodity. It, it can depreciate. It can change. It's taxed. It's ups and downs. And inflation, devaluation, it's a moving target. And the problem with financial planning is is that people are trying to use mathematics to plan their future. Now, if you and I would go back to 1970, and as I said, I was earning... About $20,000 when I first started in this business, and somebody asked me at that time, what do you want to retire on? The old rule used to be 70% of what you were earning. So if I said $14,000 in 1970, and here we are, I'm retired now, and $14,000 won't even go one month. Yeah. So uh, you just can't use math. It takes science. It takes an understanding of how the world works in a holistic manner, and uh, people are just locking themselves into uh, needs and goals which you really shouldn't have uh, because it's not going to work. Um, uh, MIT is coming out with tremendous research on why need and goal planning is is, uh, set for failure. And it's because of this change. It's because of how people can't predict the future. It's very difficult to know how the world's going to be 20 and 30 years out. Um, If you just look at the last five or 10 years on how technology has changed, even how we think and what we do and how we perform, well, what's the next 20 or 30 years going to look like? I can't even imagine it. So when people start planning how much they need, how much money they need in the future 20, 30 years out, it's almost impossible. And therefore, people really need to be very efficient with their money, very effective in how they uh, position it, and they must uh, have the theory of what we call maximization in economics, is that you should be doing the best you can possibly do at every moment in time. And uh, a good long-term plan is made up of all of the good short-term plans. It's a combination of all of those. The, you know the, the, the total is made up of the sum of its parts.
0: Yeah, you know, and that you know Bob and I, the I'm going to get into one of the things. Um, and you know, you've written you read my books. You know, there's a tremendous amount of misinformation.
1: Great books, by the way, great great job! Uh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> thank you, Bob. Uh, you, know, you were a student of mine, and to see the <laughs> success that you've had just uh, warms my heart very much. So
0: congratulations. Well, well, thank you, Bob. Bob, but you inspired me because you showed me the mathematics behind the. The 401k and the term insurance and all that stuff, and I said, "Oh my God, what have I done?" And that kind of spurred me on. But thank you, I will take the compliment. But the thing is, Bob, there's a lot of misinformation out there to the American public. I mean, I know I've been interviewed by Bloomberg, and they've kind of they've kind of flushed my research. Have you had similar experiences? Uh, as far as you know. Um,
1: uh, define that again, please. Well, how,
0: is, the, is the American public misled? There's a lot of misinformation out there in terms of how to plan. Oh, yes. Oh,
1: uh, sorry. Yes. That is very, very, very true. Good question. The public is 100% misled. Uh, we all we hear the word today fake news. Well, <laughs> in the financial world, it's all fake as well. Uh, <laughs> m- most things that people are doing are maybe even the opposite of what they should be doing things like compounding of interest. We're all told how great it is, but it's actually a very bad thing to have any of your interest compounding. And uh, also people are reinvesting uh, in their mutual funds and in their portfolios. They reinvest the uh, dividends and uh, and any capital gains back into the account. That also is incorrect. And, And, and that's what everyone is doing. And, and, That's going to be a problem because there's only one rate of return whenever you do those things. You're only getting one rate of return, one benefit, and there's no defense against what we call the eroding factors of the world. Uh, now the eroding factors of the world are there every single day. Uh, there are such things as taxes, uh, penalties on taxes, inflation, devaluation of the money, uh, And fees and charges within these accounts. Then you've got market uh, fluctuation, even market losses. But then there's things called technological change and planned obsolescence and uh, propensities to consume. All of these economic factors exist in the world, and they run at around 10 to 12 percent annually. In other words, if we're on like a financial treadmill, And that treadmill is working against us at 10 or 12 percent. So, those are facts. Those are scientifically analyzed and can be proven that the world is moving against us at 10 to 12 percent. So, when we try to save or invest and get five or six or seven or even 10 percent, we're really not getting anywhere. And that's what compounding and reinvestment is doing to people. Uh, instead of uh, what we call acceleration, the velocity of money, and multiplier effect, which is really how the big economy works, and uh, people haven't been trained or educated on it.
0: They really haven't, Bob. And I think, you know, I remember one of your training, and full disclosure, I learned a lot of this stuff from Bob, but uh, I think, Bob, you said uh, maybe 20 years ago, you said essentially people's money, a lot of these 401ks and so forth, is the money's in the straitjacket. So, so you know, if, if someone's 30 years of age, the money's really in the straitjacket. And what I have found, Bob, and this is you know, and I've researched this is that uh, the people who always make money in this stuff are the institutions, um, and you know, and Wall Street, which is included, and then insiders. So, uh, would you agree that these in, the system is really kind of set up as a uh, essentially like almost? I, I
1: do agree. Uh, financial institutions. Um, if I ran one if I was president of a bank or insurance company or a brokerage firm or Wall Street uh, firm uh, I would do exactly the same thing because what we want to do is make money and we want to make profits and the way the only way that financial institutions can make money is by what we call the four rules number one they need the consumers money obviously they need it coming in systematically. They need it they need to hold on to it for as long as possible. And then when the consumer wants it back, they want to give back as little as they possibly can. So they want our money, they want it systematically, they want to hold on to it for as long as possible and so they can use it, and then they give back as little as possible. And when you look at all of the uh, financial strategies that are being advertised marketed if you run the four rules against all the advice that we're getting you'll see that it's really in the best interest of the financial institutions and not the consumer what consumers really need to be doing is first of all is really get educated on how money works uh, they're just not there's no training on it there's, the schools, Uh, Even the colleges aren't getting into the science of money and how money really works. As you know, Einstein uh, came up with uh, E, energy, equals mc squared. Energy equals mass times its velocity and then squared. And that runs the whole universe. Well, money is part of the universe. And it is just like the universe. It's moving all the time, changing all the time. And the real formula that needs to be looked at by the world of finance is W, which is wealth, equals M, not mass but money, times its velocity squared. So it's almost exact as the Einstein uh, theory of relativity. Wealth equals money times its velocity squared. In other words... Money just can't be sitting in an account compounding or sitting in a mutual fund or stock portfolio and have, being reinvested. That means it's still. It's only getting one rate of return. So if you're getting 10%, then you're going to get 10% uh, compounded, and, and no matter what when you cash in, you've had a 10% rate of return. you only got one benefit, no protection, no defense against the eroding factors of the world. And when you look at it, 20, 30, 40 years later, it's, you know, just not relative to what the needs are at that particular time. So uh, there's gotta be this velocity of money and financial institutions don't want to see your money moving in and out of different accounts, which is what it takes to be financially successful. Money has to be moving. So you should be taking your money in cash rather than reinvesting or, or compounding, and then moving to where the needs that you have at that moment in time are, uh, rather than keeping all the money stuffed in one account and having failure or inadequacies in, in the rest of your, your life. When you do this, you are lowering your taxes, you're, you're lowering your cost of fees and charges, you're eliminating lost opportunity costs, and you're acting currently according to what the world is at that particular time. Now, is it more difficult? Of course it is. Uh, whenever you're using an intelligent, strategic approach, uh, it takes thought. It takes strategies. It's like playing chess. Why does a uh, chess master uh, win all the time against uh, uh, even good players? Is because they can take the best strategy, the best move at each point in time. And that's what we have to do with our financial lives. We can't just ignore what's going on in the present world. We have to position our money in the best positions at that point in time so that we're always in the best position all the time. And that's what LEAP has taught people to do, uh, Lifetime Economic Acceleration and Protection Program. Uh, We teach people to position their money first, Uh, under what we call a rule-based system, and then uh, have the best performance on their money at that point in time. As I said before, the best long-term plan is an annual series of short-term plans that are maximizing their efficiencies. Most people do not know anything about velocity of money, multiplier effects, uh, and the uh, efficiencies of money and how it moves. And this is the challenge. This is where financial institutions have to start uh, the educational process. Uh, technology is going to help this uh, because technology can move the money toward the most efficient positions because it, it can think through that uh, iterations, millions of iterations, like a chessboard. Um, but until people start this process of real, intelligent, scientific, strategic planning, they are always going to have failure because your loading factors are moving faster than what you can
0: earn. Yeah. Now, Bob, I have a question for you, um, and, it, and, we, uh, and, and uh, this is going great. Um, then we're going to have to take a little break to keep us legal when we want to have you back for the break. Um, but what is is okay. uh, what what is it, what, what are some of the uh, – what what's an ideal – financial plan would uh, and I'm getting to the model and uh, I, I still love the model to this day uh, what does mm-hmm. the ideal financial plan look like uh, could you tell the audience about that
1: okay it's very it's very simple if everybody would just uh, think about it uh, what you have to say to yourself is what is the perfect financial plan how do you define it what would you what do people want in life? And we've concluded that the perfect uh, financial plan is one that works under every possible scenario. I'll repeat that. It is one total program that will work, designed to work, under every single possible scenario. So in other words, if a person became disabled due to an accident or an illness, the plan would self-fund itself forever. So you would still be financially successful as if there was never a disability. There'd be no interruption. And that's true of any any sickness or illness, uh, the same thing would happen. Uh, a premature death, if you don't make it to age 65 for retirement, the plan will work for your family as if you had lived uh, perfectly. Uh, as far as if you get sued, you kill somebody with your car or your dog runs out and chews up somebody, or anything can happen. Uh, you will not lose one asset. You won't lose uh, any money, and you'll be pro- totally protected. Uh, natural disasters, we have to make sure that we're fully covered under all insurances. Uh, not only our car, but our home and our properties, our income and our assets and our life. We believe in the full replacement uh, of insurance. So every insurance policy that you have, all these different types, have to be insured for the full replacement of the asset lost. Otherwise, you'd only be getting part or nothing. Of course, it has to have. Uh, it has to either be tax-free. It has to have tax advantages. Uh, people overpay their taxes constantly. Uh, they just uh, don't strategize to save taxes, which is what it takes, strategies. It's Not a tax law that you could take advantage of. You have to have plays. You have to have strategies to take advantage of the laws. Um, also, market fluctuation. When the, when the stock market goes down, uh, we take advantage of it, not lose. When the market goes down, you should be taking advantage of it and making more money than Uh, If it just went uh, straight up. So technological change has to, we know that that's going to exist in the future. Uh, We're on iPhone 10 or something like that by now. People are spending money uh, way more than what they used to. Inflation is in 3%. Inflation, which is the cost of living, is running around 6, 7, or 8% a year. And uh, it includes not only the price increase of the products that we purchase, but also the change and the new products that come along that we're adding to our life and then the turnover and the planned obsolescence of those products, which causes more expense. So we have to be very careful as to our financial plan that it, it includes the cost of technological change and planned obsolescence in the future. That's why people are retiring today uh, on too little money is because they never thought that there would be cell phones, iPhones, uh, computers, TVs, back 20 years ago. So they don't have a financial plan or a retirement plan that absorb all of the cost of living uh, as there is today. Oh, so but- the perfect plan, as I said before, is one that will work under every single scenario. And that's what a good plan will do. And that's what our model, our LEAP model does. It goes through each and every possible scenario of life, and it asks the question, if this occurs, how will you fare? How will you look? What will happen? And and that is there's 27 of those issues, and therefore we can tell who is going to succeed and who's not going to succeed based upon running through the model and asking the proper questions. As far as the cost uh, to have a perfect financial plan, no one could afford it. Uh, it would take too much money if we just purchased this insurance policy, purchased that investment, put money in a 401k, took a mortgage. There's not enough money that people have, unless you're very rich already, to uh, have a perfect plan. And that's why we've developed what's called a velocity money multiplier, uh, where money does more than one job. That's why we have to have money moving. That's why money must not be sitting at accounts. It must come out and move towards solving people's problems and then having a better return overall.
0: So the real idea here, we got to think we want to have capitalism for ourselves. We want to be like an institution because they make all the money and they build these buildings and they don't really... They don't create anything, but they move their money all around. They build real estate in New York City and all these reits and that that type of thing to really get the money in motion. Um, but a question for you: um, So, but a lot of people in, and my psychic here, Will Pierce, is saying a lot of people just want to kind of um, they just want to sit on the money, but they they really the key to it is really to get your money in motion. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Um, you know institutions deserve to make a profit. There's no question about it. Uh, The government obviously needs money to run. Um, But we all, as people, as a society, don't have to get beat up because of it. There's enough money to go around to make everyone happy. The money supply is obviously into the trillions, and it's not not, uh, something that... uh, is sufficient enough for everyone. My, my actual belief is that everyone who works full-time, and I'm including in that even low-income earners and even uh, minimum wage earners, should, by the time that they retire, be millionaires. There's no reason for failure. It is not something that should exist. It's a lack of understanding of how their money works. Uh, it's not even a matter of how much money you make. It's what you're doing with your money and how to control it, make it efficient, make it effective, and getting this multiplier effect on it. Uh, it only takes 30 cents an hour from age 18 to age 68. 30 cents an hour. Minimum wage persons earning 7 to $10, at $10 an hour. It only takes 30 cents an hour to have a million dollars over that period of time. And you look at these, and you say, it's fairly simple. Why, why haven't people taken 30 cents an hour, which is nothing, which not even affect their lifestyle, even at the lowest possible level? And that's what we'll have uh, in, uh, for retirement. Today, the average retirement is only $50,000 in cash. They have their Social Security. They have their home. The average American has $50,000 in cash. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's mind-boggling. I'm the richest country in the world, it's all there, trillions of dollars of potential. But the one top one percent is, or is they're smart. They know the velocity of the money multiplier. They're the ones who are using the money intelligently. What we have to do as the public is to understand what they're doing and start doing it ourselves. As you said, Barry, People have to become capitalists themselves. Instead, the financial institutions and the financial planners are teaching them to not be capitalists. They're teaching them not to work with their money. They're teaching them to store the money for a need or a goal. And uh, I've been criticized for stating that uh, I believe that financial planning today is like communism. It's,
2: It's all
1: set up to meet a need or a goal which is totally not what we want we want to maximize we want to be efficient we want to be effective we want to grow our wealth and be happy and have freedom not just meet our needs uh, and those needs are going to be constantly uh, moving away from us It's like chasing that golden ring on the merry-go-round it's not going to be there because the needs are changing all the time
0: a question for you, Bob, but don't you you know, this is one of the things, It's always always evolves around the debt to me, and um, don't you think Americans are, are kind of like the robots are just programmed to spend and not to save? I think that's, I mean, I think that's you, you can't invest until you save, but we don't save in this country. I mean, what do you think?
1: Yes. That's absolutely true. Uh, the advertising, as I said, the financial institutions are, are three. Uh, the government, Corporations and financial institutions, the banks and, and whatever. So uh, there's three categories, uh, and corporations want our money too. They ha- they run the same four rules. They want our money. They want it systematically. They want to hold on it for as long as possible. And they don't want to give it back. So they advertise. They persuade us to spend. Uh, Americans buy more junk than anything than any other country in the world. Not, not things that even give us any happiness. We just think that we have to have it because somebody else has it. But that's all been trained. We're not taught to be capitalists. We're not taught to have our own system and to be strong. And so we we spend money to think we're, we're going to be happy when obviously we're not. Uh, when when scientists have studied you know, which countries are the happiest, uh, the United States is down there in around 15th place. Yeah. So the people aren't really happy. We have freedom. We have certain things that we enjoy. But as far as being financially happy, no, we're not financially happy. And that's because we are spending way too much money and uh, our lifestyle. When a person goes to buy a house, the real estate agent is showing a house which is over the budget. So this is the first thing that they do. Uh, and everyone's going to like the bigger house. It's, it looks nicer than the one that you can afford. So then, so people try to stretch, I mean, can we really make this? Can we make the payments? And they take every last dime, and, oh, yeah, we can make it. If we don't do this, we don't do that. Well, that's going to fail, and it's going to make people unhappy, and then you're going to get divorced, and you're going to have all those kinds of problems, and that's what happens to our, 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 our public. So we have to be taught to save at least 15%. Off the top, as you said, Barry, we have to save first and then spend. If we can save 15% of our, our, of our income and put that in, a, in an account immediately and then spend 85% and learn how to live on that 85% as if that 85% was 100% of our income, we would all be very wealthy and be millionaires. It's that simple. <laughs> we don't even have to budget. We don't even have to know where our money is going. If we're saving 15%, we will be very wealthy over time, especially using the velocity money multiplier. Uh, Another another problem about debt, and I want to make this clear, is people have been trained and told to pay off their debts, prepay it uh, over five or six or seven years, and that is wrong. You do not want to be paying off your debt. You want to extend your debt over a longer period of time to lower the payments, or you want to refinance to a better rate, or you want to do intrafamily uh, debt management. Paying off your debt is stopping a person from saving money and investing money, and it takes away from the back end of how much wealth you'll have. It's called lost opportunity cost.
0: And and, uh, there are a
1: lot of advisors out there who want you to become debt-free by paying it off and accelerating it, and they tell you that after six or seven years, you're going to be really in great shape. No, you won't be, because the cost of living is going to keep on going, technology changes, and you'll always be getting more debt to buy all those new things. So paying off your debts is not the best approach. Be careful.
0: Yeah. Now, Bob, uh, Bob, we want to kind of, we, we actually have about 10 more minutes here, but now uh, one of the things um, which, uh, so you came to this conclusion about 30 years ago, and as you know, I've written a couple of books on this and uh, and uh, researched it to death, is that you came to the conclusion um, that life insurance and permanent life insurance is one of the best things anyone can own now. Uh, you you sound like the Antichrist for Dave Ramsey, okay? But uh, how did you come with that conclusion? Because I really want to address that, because a lot of people asked about that.
1: Well, yeah. By the way, it's not a question of belief, it's a question of fact. The facts clearly show that in order to be successful, one has to own a whole life policy it's a must it's not something that is a choice they must own it and again if I go back and, and ask what's the perfect plan that can work under every si- single situation and there was only one product to pick from in the entire financial world let's say the government said you can only choose one financial product that your money can go in. You cannot have two or more. Only one. The question becomes which product, which financial product in the world, would one choose? That answer, in scientific terms, has come to whole life insurance. It's the only financial tool that guarantees success. There are no others that guarantee success. It doesn't mean that whole life has the highest rate of return, although it has a great rate of return. That's not what guarantees success. What guarantees success is that no matter what happens, you're a success. Not just if the market went up or if you picked the right stock or if tax laws never changed or if there was no inflation. Now, it's hard for people to understand how that may be. But again, if you became disabled, your 401k would stop. No one would put money in, in into it for you. But if you have whole life, there's a disability feature that makes the payment into your capital pool so that you're still having someone fund your life's wealth. And it's the only product that can do that over and above any, any disability insurance. It also grows tax uh, free death benefit is tax-free. In most states in the United States, uh, it is liability-free. In other words, for anybody, if you have an accident, no one can get your, your money. Uh, it has a about a four percent rate of return by itself internally to age uh, to the uh, age of uh, sixty-five. So over your lifetime, if you pay your premiums on a four percent rate of return, well. That 4% is better than any savings accounts or bonds in, in the marketplace today. But that's a tax-free uh, return. So you would have to earn 6 or 7% in investments to net that 4%. And as you know, most people uh, don't get a 6 or 7% rate of return in the market overall. They uh, tend to buy high and sell low. <laughs> so the returns are around the same. They're... Average returns are about 6%. So they're not doing much better investing in other things. But whole life doesn't lock up your money. Remember, what we're talking about is one uh, getting more than one rate of return. So there's a tax-free dividend that comes out of a life insurance policy. That, is, that has to be paid out in cash, not reinvested. That, that dividend that you're getting on that policy can go toward buying your car insurance, your homeowner's insurance, And so you have one insurance policy paying for all your other insurance policies uh, on a tax-free basis. Uh, In addition, there's a cash value and that cash value can be, uh, withdrawn and also invested anywhere you want. So it's movable. It's flexible. It's not a static product. There's no penalties for withdrawal. There's no fees or charges or expenses that are being paid on a whole life policy, like a 401k, or like uh, mutual funds, or there's no costs uh, occurring. So no matter what is happening, you're happy all the time. Uh, Rate of return, rate of return is net okay, it's not bad, but that money can, as I said, be invested in other things at any point in time, but you still have the disability, you still have the liability, you still have the tax-free nature. You, you have the ability to uh, have critical illness in uh, the death benefit. You can also have uh, long-term care. It's all part of the same policy. You're not buying separate things. So when you look at what is the most perfect financial product in the world, there's only one that comes close to answering all the questions. The only negative, a whole life policy. The only one is they think it has a rate of return that is low. That's it. It's the only one. You will die. If a person dies before 65, the rate of return on a death benefit will be higher than any possible investment that you can make. So we know that if you die before 65, you have made a smart decision versus any other investment. The question becomes most people die after 65. So, can, does whole life hold up as having a good rate of return after 65? And in fact, that's when its rate of return actually increases and runs up to about 10 or 11 or 12 percent uh, tax free rate of return. So, the answer is yes on both sides. If you die early, the death benefit is what has a higher rate of return than any other uh, investment. If you make it to 65, it has a 10 to 12% tax-free rate of return, holistically speaking overall, when coordinated and integrated with all your other assets. Now, this has to be shown. Of course, we can't have the time today, but uh, it is provable, and we've been able to teach that for 40 years. And the thousands and thousands of people who have done it, including myself, uh, I've lived under my own theories. And uh, today, uh, you know, it, it's been just a wonderful life, very happy life of financial uh
0: success and, uh, and financial freedom. You know, you know, Bob, I, I can't thank you enough. And by the way, I've done the research, you know, and some of the largest pension funds in the world, like Japan's, has only made like 1.7% over with over a trillion dollars. And uh, the Norwegian so- Sovereign Wealth Fund, Bob, has only made like 3.7% over 15 years. And even Harvard only got 5% over the past 10 years. So, um, you know, I really wanted to get into uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how you... you know, but uh, we're, we're kind of running out of time, Bob. And um, any any way we how can again, if we
1: have some time uh, ever in the future?
0: Uh, I'm here. I'd, I'd love to do it. And, and uh, now, anyway, any easy way to get people uh, uh, get in touch with you on LinkedIn or you on uh, or anything like that, Bob? Or are you fully retired?
1: Let them let them contact
0: you, and then you'll transfer it to me. Okay, <laughs> okay, Bob. Yeah, but anyhow, I had I had emails this morning from fans in St. Louis and Connecticut and Texas and California and a bunch of people uh, to send uh, the best wishes to you, Bob. You've helped a lot of people out there, and I know uh, the value of the product. As I said, you know, we spoke the other night. Um, I've actually had fifty-seven death claims, so I know the benefit of life insurance, and it's always been so viable. And uh, even in my own life, but. Um, Bob, thank you so much. God
1: God bless you, and and, uh, I want to say uh, have a good life to everybody who's listening today, and seek advice, seek seek experts, not hack people uh, on the Internet or in blogs or on TV, and all of the things that we're bombarded with. Uh, It's it's a much more scientific, much more sophisticated game uh, that needs to be played, uh, and I just hope that people do
0: follow through. The answers are there. All right. Well, so thanks, Barry. All right, well, God bless you, and enjoy Kauai. Enjoy, have a great day today, Bob. Live from uh, Kauai, Hawaii, we've had Bob Castellone. Thank you so much, right. Bob. God bless. This has been The Economic Warrior with your host, Barry James Dyke, broadcast live at WSCA Portsmouth Community Radio, engineered by Phil Kleiger. If you have any questions about today's show or need an ally in conquering the battleground of finance, contact the Warrior himself at BarryJamesDyke.com. Who are the world?